Hey, this is Scott Klosowski. You've landed at The Digital Optimist, a podcast that looks into the future of technology impacts on the world. Yeah, I see a brighter future coming, so jump into a few episodes and see if you agree. Glad to be back with you. It's time for podcast number 14. And we're in the uh, machine intelligence ecosystem set. So we talked about robotics last time. Uh, Now we need to go on to talking about AI and all the different flavors and forms of AI. A a badly misunderstood piece of technology, in my opinion. I don't know if you'll notice this or not, but I'm coming to you from uh, our new podcast studio Uh, where I have headphones and a a very big mic and lots of equipment around me. And so uh, it's bound to make this a better podcast, just because it feels so much more like an actual podcast room. All right, I always start off with a story. You know, in this case, my story is just something practical about uh, about me and uh, the number of ways that I feel like I am uh, machine-assisted. Uh, you know, it all started uh, back when I would get in my truck to go home at night and Google would pop on and tell me how long I had or tried to tell me which way to go. And I started realizing that the world was moving to a machine-assisted kind of world where the machines would get to know me and then would try to give me advice. And I remember thinking about that when it first started to happen about, well, how do I feel about that? Because I've lived a lot of my life without being machine-assisted And I realized that in that moment, whether other people realized it or not, we were moving into a world where the machines were going to help us unless we did something to actively try to not let them help us. And I thought, you know, it's okay with me. Uh, You know, you have some amount of control over it. You can always check out of it. But in the big scheme of things, I figured life will be better when I'm a bit machine assisted. So other things happened along the way. But the most interesting one was in the last few months, uh, Cortana. Some of you will know what I'm talking about, but uh, if you don't, uh, Microsoft just out of nowhere, without asking me, started to have a little helper in my email uh, called Cortana. Cortana is an AI, of course, that reads through my emails and looks for uh, basically bits of language where I've committed to something. Uh, or said I would do something. And then Cortana keeps track of all that. And then the next day, I get an email from Cortana, uh, who is helping me to make sure that I don't forget something that I committed to in an email. First time it happened, I flipped through it. And again, being a technologist, I thought, isn't this interesting? And I started thinking about how the AI must work, right? How it was built to be able to go through. And it was fairly accurate. It, It would identify five or six Uh, emails every time I look at it every day uh, of things that I committed. And strangely enough, there was always about one thing, maybe two things that I had committed to that I had completely forgotten about. And so it didn't take me long for me to kind of fall in love with Cortana, the AI. So I started asking around other people in our company, you know, hey, has this happened to you? And they all said, yeah, hey, the same kind of thing happened to me just out of nowhere. All of a sudden, Cortana started reading all my email and then trying to, quote unquote, help me make sure that I met my commitments. Uh, All kidding aside, the interesting thing for me is, as I said, almost every day, there's one or two that Cortana brings up that I did not get to and that I've completely forgotten and that I wouldn't probably have remembered to go back and do without Cortana. So once again, 
just another example of an AI that is trying to help me be machine-assisted in my life. AI is one of the most fascinating topics right now because we've had it for years. We've heard this term for years. It's a big general kind of term. Uh, a bit like social technologies or cloud computing, where there are many flavors and many variations of it. It also is going to have probably one of the biggest impacts on humanity of any kind of technology. There's a big difference between tools that we use, technology tools that we use, like a laptop, you know, or a, a mobile device, or software applications like Microsoft Word, a huge difference between that and something that actually can make a decision on our behalf, a, a, a technology that has a slice of our intelligence so that it can act as a human brain might act. In fact, even have an ability to learn on its own. Like there's a big, there's a big dividing line between a piece of technology that is a tool and a piece of technology that is a helper. I have studied AI ever since the term came out, and what I wanted to do in this podcast is just share a few different thoughts with you that might help you when you hear about AI, when you read articles about AI, when you are at an organization that's talking about putting in an AI. Hopefully, these thoughts will be helpful. So let's start with this. It's really important to define AI. I have a couple of different models I want to use. The first model is the three levels of AI. Uh, a while back, I really got intrigued with the fact that um, if you just look at the words, a lowest level of AI could be called augmented intelligence. Augmented intelligence, let's say the first level. What I mean by augmented intelligence is very basic AIs that are just helpers, right, helping us to make good decisions. And so when I gave you the example of uh, Google telling me a possible route on the way home, I look at that as an augmented intelligence form of AI. It's just making suggestions to me, and I can take the suggestions or not take the suggestions. I see that as a lower level of AI, not that it's low value, just that it is the lowest level of just a decision support system just a recommendation engine, just augmenting my intelligence. That's the lowest level of AI. The middle level of AI, I think, is the classic one that we talk about a lot. I'll call it artificial intelligence. Uh, and this is something that can make an independent decision without me. So this is a piece of software that can make an independent decision. We have put algorithms and our decision tree onto a piece of software, and now we can allow that software to look at data and then make a decision on its own. To me, that's classically what artificial intelligence is. Now, I may have to ask it a question. It may be reactive, and then it gives me an answer. Could be proactive that it is looking out for my welfare and then giving me, making a decision on my behalf. But the middle level of AI, the classic artificial intelligence, that's what I say is the middle of the three levels of AI. The final level of AI, the highest, is alien intelligence. And I don't mean aliens from another planet. I just mean alien to human. Alien as in this intelligence is self-learning. And because it's self-learning, we didn't build it all, and we don't even know exactly how its intelligence is designed or how it makes its decisions. So it is an alien intelligence to us. So augmented intelligence, artificial intelligence, and alien intelligence. And of those three, the middle one, artificial intelligence, is the one I hate the wording the worst. Uh, I've never thought that artificial intelligence was a good word. I really think it should be called virtual 
intelligence. It isn't artificial. I mean, it is the same intelligence as a human being would use. Uh, There's nothing artificial about it. A better word would be virtual or electronic intelligence. But hey, the word artificial intelligence stuck years ago and my guess is we'll be stuck with it for a long time. But remember those three levels of AI? Augmenting intelligence, artificial intelligence, and alien intelligence. All right. Second thought, how does an AI compare to a human being? I get questions all the time on things like, hey, Scott, when will an AI be as smart as a human being? And I don't like that question right off the bat because we don't need an AI to be as smart as a human being. And and human beings have a certain type of intelligence, which is a, a very broad or let's say universal kind of intelligence. In other words, we know a little bit about a lot of things. Most of us do not know very many subjects in a very deep way. What's impressive about our brain is it has a very good memory uh, for something that's organic, uh, and we can process lots of different pieces of data well. But we have to be honest, uh, our brain is not the the ultimate in computing device. Although we talk a lot about about, uh, how fantastic the brain is uh, as an organ, Um, which I agree with. I think that that is true. I also don't have this bias that the brain is so much better than what a computing device can be. Uh, I think the reality is we're already building AIs that are much, if you want to say it, smarter or able to make a better decision in a specific area than a human being. And I think this is an important distinction for us to understand. Do we have what's called a universal AI? No, we don't really have a universal AI now that has an ability to think about millions of different topics or thousands of different topics and give an answer like we can with our brains. But again, remember, our brains can give an opinion on thousands of different topics. Maybe we have a reasonable answer on thousands of different topics, but we really don't have a deep understanding of all those 1,000 topics. It's, I think, uh, important to be able to compare what's good about an AI and what's good about a human brain without being biased and saying a human brain is better, smarter than an AI. Uh, An AI is probably better and smarter in its category, in its area, than almost any human is. And in some cases today, you know, smarter than any human, because the AI has been able to access enough data, make enough decisions and see the results, uh, that it, it can make better decisions than a human. Uh, for example, uh, the AIs that can read an x-ray and make a better decision than any one radiologist. Why? Because the AI has a database that's got millions of uh, x-rays in it. No human has a database with millions of x-rays in their brain. That's one thing to understand. And the second thing that I want to make a point is that we really have to be able to, to uh, uh, compare a human brain with an AI, and understand what's good and bad about both. Humans have a good ability to synthesize lots of data and to be able to find a reasonable answer. A little tougher right now for an AI to synthesize a lot of disparate data. But what an AI can do is read and understand huge quantities of data that a human can't. But I can give you a list of other things that an AI does better than a human being. It can make really fast decisions Sometimes accessing the data and being able to make a quicker decision based on an algorithm than a human could make. Uh, Not only can it make faster decisions, it could make more of those faster decisions all at once or in a very short time frame. 
As humans, there's a cost to making a lot of decisions. We can only make so many decisions in, in a small period of time, and it's exhausting to make a large amount of decisions. And AI never gets exhausted. An AI can make decisions 24-7 and never get exhausted. So that's a benefit. Uh, AI can also access huge amounts of data. So it can access a database to, to be able to create a good decision or look at the boundaries or the, the uh, variables of a decision uh, to a level no human being can. Uh, we can only access a certain amount of information, and it's not huge. And even over our lifetime, if we've tried to pack huge amounts of information into our brain, uh, we don't have the ability to do that as well as a computer can either. That's hard for people to admit, uh, but it, it really is time that we say, hey, the human brain's good at some things, not good at others. One of the things the human brain is not good at is absorbing vast amounts of data over time and keeping it accurately stored in our minds. Very few of us can do that. Very few of us uh, uh, can uh, look at a page of information and memorize it and have that type of memory uh, exactly. A machine can do that, of course. Uh, we can create algorithms in an AI with a complexity level far beyond what a human can. Why? Because multiple humans can create pieces of an algorithm and store them in a device, right? Store it in an AI system. So you can have many human beings collaborating to build a complicated set of algorithms, uh, which no one human being could hold in their mind and process all at once. And AI never forgets what it learned. Sure, you could argue that the database could go down or the data could get erased, right? But, but that doesn't happen that often in these modern times. I mean, the fact is once an AI has been programmed to make a decision and has access to data, it doesn't forget in the way that a human would forget data. And AI is never emotional. It doesn't use instinct. Right? An AI has an algorithm to make a decision. It does not allow anything else that, that we look at as human to interfere with that decision. Now, that can be good or bad. In other words, at times that means the AI doesn't have the level of discretion that a human being might have. At other times, what it means is the AI is not influenced by emotions. It's not influenced by how it feels that day. It's not influenced by reacting to an instinct that was built up over years of experience. And so there's good and bad with this, but it's just something to understand is I think in some levels, there are a lot of decisions that it's better for an AI to make than a human because a human would have emotion brought into that decision. And finally, an, an AI can learn faster than a human being. When you talk about a self-learning AI that's using, let's say, deep learning, which we'll talk more about in the next episode... An AI has the capacity to study data and learn at a much faster rate than a human being can. The reality is we learn very slowly. We have to, to sit in a class, we have to read a book, we have to hear a podcast, right? Our capacity to learn quickly is actually very slow when compared to what a machine can do to be able to learn. A machine could study a million games of chess and can decide what its strategy is much faster than a human being can play a million games of chess. Now, I'll stop there. And I don't want you to think that uh, I believe that machines are better than humans. That's not the message here. The message here is we do need to be realistic about the fact that over time, there's going to be a lot of benefits to having knowledge 
stored in an AI and, and having an AI make a decision on our behalf that in some cases would be better than a decision that a human can make. There's a lot of friction when a human makes a decision. And there's a lot of variability on the decision that a human would make. All of that is gone with the machine. And, and the message maybe for you to hear is not every single decision should be made by a machine. There are some decisions in life that need instinct, that need emotion put into the decision. There are also a lot of decisions, especially in the business world, that need to be made in a cold and calculating way if you're going to get the best decision. All right, that's kind of the second concept really wanted to make sure I get across. Third concept, flavors of AI. AI is, is not one thing. It would be like saying the word computer. A computer is not one thing. There are many different flavors of what we would call a computer. That's why we have other words like laptop, right, or mobile device, or desktop, or supercomputer. Well, AI is the same way. We really need to use other words around the term AI to be more descriptive of what is the algorithm or what is the, the application that we've built. And I'm going to run you through kind of a general uh, model of flavors. Now, I've got a bigger model, so I'm just going to try to hit seven different flavors because I just really want you to understand the concept that when we use the word AI, it's just too general of a word. I'm going to start from kind of the, the bottom of simple AI. And I mentioned before, if you thought think about an AI that just helps us make a decision, right, a DSS, a decision support system or a recommendation engine, you know, I see that as kind of the most simplistic form of an AI. It's an AI that will look at some data and then make a recommendation to us. And that's a flavor. Now, some people don't even call it AI. They just call it a recommendation engine or call it a DSS. In, in, in truth, it is an AI. It is a piece of software that is making a decision on our behalf based on data. It's just that the decision is more of a recommendation. All right, let's go up a level, right? Here's another flavor, a co-working AI. I think co-working AIs are something that uh, are going to be uh, a bigger and bigger deal over time and a huge influence on the economy and people's careers. So a co-working AI is an AI that helps you do your job, hence the term co-working. It's an AI that we, we need to have it in order to be able to perform at the level we need to perform at. Now, I don't care if you're a banker or a musician or a lawyer. Right? We will all start to have co-working AIs that will help us. And the future that I see is uh, you'll be, let's say, a chief financial officer, a CFO, and you'll have your 25 co-working AIs that help you. You'll have a budget AI, a fraud AI, right, an accounts receivable AI. I mean, you'll have an AI for a lot of the different pieces of the work that you do. And those co-working AIs will watch over the financial status of the company alert you when you need to be alerted, uh, bring you the information that you need to see, send you the reports when it's the right time to see a report, right? The co-working AI will act as, uh, to do what you would do by hand if you felt like studying all of the data. So what will happen if I paint the picture for you this way is, in the future, a CFO will be part human, part machine, Okay, uh, there, there actually is a term for that that we use quite a bit, a centaur, right? It will be a centaur. They won't look different. They won't have a bunch of robotic arms and legs. 
It'll still look like a regular CFO human being, uh, but she's going to have 25 AIs that help her do her job. That's going to be co-working AIs. You'll customize those. They won't be exactly like the next CFO's AIs, and that'll be part of the magic of having your own suite of co-working AIs. All right, here's another flavor, a reactive AI. This is an AI that only takes action when you ask it for something. So in other words, you make a move, it makes a move. Or you ask a question, it answers your question, right? It's a reactive AI. It doesn't make proactive decisions. It just studies what's going on, and it's always prepared to give you an answer or to make a move once you make a move, right? So a reactive AI. Or a surveillance AI, right? Here's a fourth flavor. Surveillance AI. This is an AI whose whole job it is is to do surveillance and look for something that is out of order so that you can be notified. Now, that could be an AI that's looking at license plates of every car parking in a parking lot, right, which we already have. Uh, it could be an AI that is on a drone overlooking a campus for anything that is out of order. Uh, it could be an AI that watches over all the cattle uh, and tells you if there's a problem with one of your cows or bulls, right? A surveillance AI, its whole job is to watch vast amounts of free-flowing data and alert you of something you might need to know about. And we're going to have a lot of surveillance AIs in our life uh, to be able to help us with what we do. Could some of the co-working AIs be surveillance AIs? Absolutely. All right, let's go to a fifth flavor, a semi-autonomous AI. Uh, obviously, a semi-autonomous means the AI can make some decisions on its own. So it's an AI that could do, let's say, part of my job. It could do half of my job uh, without telling me what it's doing and what decisions it's making. The other half, it needs to consult with me. It's a semi-autonomous AI, right? We already have semi-autonomous vehicles, but we'll see more and more AIs that as they're coming up the sophistication curve, they will be able to make some decisions on their own. And then some decisions, uh, they'll still consult me. So let's say I have an AI assistant. Right? I have a piece of software that's an avatar that helps me get my job done. Maybe it can schedule appointments on its own. Maybe it can order food for me on its own. Right? I mean, it, it would know me well enough that there are certain basic tasks it could just do without talking to me. Other tasks, it's going to consult me. Then we have a flavor six, fully autonomous AI. Uh, you know, as the word states, this is an AI that has a number of tasks that it can do, and it needs no help from human beings. It is an AI that will go make decisions, make changes, control something, make something happen without a human being involved in it. So if we said a fully autonomous tractor, so the tractor uh, knows to go to the field, knows where the field is, knows exactly the depth uh, of what needs to be plowed, or a, a sprayer knows exactly how much fertilizer to put on what parts of the field, and it's a fully autonomous device, right? There's a machine, but that a robotics machine, but it's run by a fully autonomous AI. It doesn't need any human being to tell it how to plow the field. All right, then we got the last one, the general AI, right, or universal AI, Right? And so this is an AI that has expertise across multiple areas. So instead of being really, really good and deep in one area, 
you know, this is the AI that people will ask the question, when will an AI be as smart as a human being? All right. So I just want you to understand, right? This is kind of my third main point. We have lots of different flavors of AIs. I want to go to a couple concerns and then let's talk about why I'm so optimistic about AIs. On the concern side, there's AI ethics. All right, so there's the issue that human beings program AIs, and even if you have a self-learning AI, which again, we'll talk about more in the next episode, uh, if bad data is presented to that AI, then it will learn the wrong things. So I worry a little bit about AI ethics. We already have a number of examples where uh, organizations have built AIs that are either biased against a certain look or a certain ethnicity, uh, or the AI uh, creates a bias. Uh, because of the actions of the people that are using it. Uh, I, I don't want to do a, a whole lot on AI ethics, but that could be an entire podcast just on its own. Uh, but that is one of my concerns is our learning curve of how to make sure that as an AI makes decisions, it's not making bias decisions against anyone or anything. My other issue that I'm a little concerned about is the impact on the digital divide. Uh, when you talk about co-working with AIs, when you talk about an AI that helps you get your job done, right, or helps you along in life, uh, these things cost money, and they take skills, and sometimes you have to have good equipment. Anytime something is like that in the technology world, I get a little nervous about the, the digital divide widening. What happens if the wealthier, more educated people in the world get better and better and better with co-working AIs, and they gain more and more power, whereas people who are underprivileged have no ability to have a co-working AI? Obviously, then they can't have any job where you would need a co-working AI to perform at a high level. What happens? The digital divide widens. I have a big concern that that is something that AI is going to drive. You're going to have the people who understand AIs and can afford them and use them uh, to their advantage, and then the people who cannot. And that's going to drive a, even more of a wedge of the, the, you know, who can do things and who can't do things. Let's get on to the optimism. This is, after all, the digital optimist. I, I'm very optimistic about the long term what happens with AI. We're still somewhat in the early days, but when I put my future point of view hat on, uh, which I love to do, uh, I look at kind of our lives and I, I ask myself a first question, where does AI fit in my life and what does it, what does it do? Am I happier? Well, you know, already I'm starting to see AIs that, as I told you, they help me. They are helper AIs. You know, it's little things right now, just giving me little pieces of advice. But when I play this out in the longer term, the AI creates convenience for me. It, it, it helps me with information and knowledge, helps me to make better decisions. All of that adds up to I'll be happier. So, I, you know, if I just use that term, happier or more joyful, yeah, I like the fact that the AI assisting me in my life has the ability to help me have an easier life and potentially be happier. Certainly, an AI can help make me safer because the AI can have security components to it that help warn me of danger. Uh, and so I certainly see how AI will help make me feel safer. And I also look forward to AIs helping me be healthier. An AI that monitors what I eat, an AI that monitors in real time 30 different uh, statistics coming off of my body, an AI that can warn me, hey, your sugar level is low, hey, you're dehydrated. We're not too far from a world where I can have a health AI 
that is tuned to me, that even has looked at my DNA profile, and that is giving me advice constantly on how to be healthier. So happier, safer, healthier? Yeah, I I can see how an AI would fit into my life and makes me optimistic. What about in the world, right? So the impact on the economy in general. So there's a lot of talk about AIs replacing jobs, And then, you know, the economy collapses because machines replace all the jobs. And, of course, we don't really have a historical proof that that is going to happen. We don't have examples of that, to be honest. We have the opposite, that as we develop more and more technologies that can replace human tasks, all we do is find new tasks to do that are higher level. Uh, So I really see this happening where AIs replace boring, repetitive decision-making, boring, repetitive tasks, And they free us to do things that are more fun as human beings. They will help make us safer. uh, And again, keep us from having to do things that just are mind-numbing as far as decision-making or highly repetitive decisions, right? So I I like that aspect when I look at it kind of on a worldwide basis. And uh, like most other technologies, there will be lots of new career opportunities that get created. AI programmers, AI auditors. Uh, you know, AI trainers, right? There'll be all kinds of new jobs to support the AIs to make sure that they are good at what they do and that they improve. Those will all be really high paying jobs, of course. So I see a lot of, of uh, positives about what's going to happen with AI. Uh, I, I just think in general, AIs are, are going to help us have much more awareness because they can study the data in ways that humans can't study the data in real time. And then the algorithms can give us advice uh, that we wouldn't normally get in real time. And so I'm excited about that. Yes, we're going to have to be careful to have oversight on AIs. Yes, we don't want them to have ethics problems or bias or get out of control. Uh, but these, this is typical kind of fears of technology. The fears are, are relevant fears, but right now, sometimes the AI fears overshadow the fantastic opportunities of what AI is going to do in our lives. So I'm highly optimistic uh, about this world of what AIs will do. I look forward to the next 10 different Cortanas. I kind of would like it better if somebody would ask me if I want them before they just put it into my email. Uh, However, I love the idea of organizations providing AIs to help make better decisions in my life. Uh, Again, especially when it comes around making me happier, with more convenience, making me safer, and making me healthier. So there you go. There is our next episode in Machine Intelligence, AIs. The next episode, we're going to talk about machine learning and deep learning because those have a huge impact on how the AIs are going to get smarter. And it's going to be important for everybody to understand these two learning techniques and how fast they're growing and what they're going to do to be able to amplify AIs. All right, we'll talk to you again in episode 15 And we're talking about machine learning and deep learning. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening and giving these ideas a chance. Let this be a two-way conversation and connect with me on Twitter at sklasowski or on LinkedIn. I also write a blog that you can find at scottklosowski.com. An added bonus is a library of thought-leading graphics you can download from the site. One more thing, please take a moment and rate this podcast on whatever platform you use. 
Ideas are powerful change agents, and positive reviews will help spread the digital optimism.